0: Hello and welcome to In The Pocket Across The Pond Season 2, the UK-based NFL Fantasy Football Podcast with me, Alex Brindle. joined this week by the two regulars, Louis Brindle and Alex Sharples. We hit you with some news about running back contracts and free agents in general. Then we'll get some temperature checks on some interesting teams, units and players heading into next season. Have a look at some running back committee chaos before giving you our two breakout picks. And I'm gonna throw Lewis and Sharples some interesting over-unders for the coming season. So, am going to get into some news and moves first. I don't think we've we've spoken about news and moves since around about, I want to say May time, Lou. Did we do it at the end of April, start, start of May? Mm-hmm. Basically, not a great deal has happened since then. We're looking at running back contracts pretty much in this news section. Starting off, we'll start with Joe Mixon. So, as... We are recording now on the 8th of July. This is all news as of then. Joe Mixon, the Bengals are expected to approach him, the player, about a contract restructuring before the start of the season with an athletic reporter claiming that there's no way the Bengals pay Mixon the $12.8 million that is due next year, pretty much because of how the running back market has resettled. You know, that's seems outrageous for Mixon, mm-hmm. but expected to all get done and wrapped up. Um, they need him. Because I thought that you saw at the end of last year, Samaji Piran got a lot of play in some big moments, and he's not there anymore. So they really need Joe Mixon. Uh, but as this contract restructuring is telling us, not as much as they yeah, think. They you need my Chase and yeah. T Higgins. You look at the depth chart, and it's like no one. It's Mixon, mm-hmm. like that. That sort of the depth chart is like what is propelling Mixon still up that draft board because it's like. Well, you're drafting him because there's no one else there currently. Yeah. yeah. Here are uh, our interesting ones, though. Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs. Uh, July the 17th is the deadline for players to sign long-term deals. So if Barkley and uh, Jacobs don't have anything done by then, then they can't talk about getting a long-term deal with the Giants or Raiders until after the season. I mean, because that deadline's approaching, contract talks are expected to pick up again uh, in the next week or so. Uh, and there is a real need for both of these teams to get deals done. You know, Barkley and Jacobs could realistically set out the season if they don't have long-term deals. I think it's even more likely with Jacobs because someone like Saquon Barkley, going into his year, uh, 26-year-old season, been missed a lot of time with injuries over the course of his career... I, uh, I I would be very surprised if he sat out. However, I could see Josh Jacobs sat out if nothing gets done there. So somewhat, something to keep an eye on there. I think they're both definitely going to be with those respective teams. Uh, they're not going to be moved. It's just a case of, does a long de- long-term deal get done? Are they going to settle for that franchise tag? I don't think Jacobs will. Uh, but Tony Pollard, a lot more straightforward, coming off a bad injury, he accepted his franchise tag. That's it for the big name running backs, really. The big news, I suppose, since we last recorded was the release of DeAndre Hopkins by the Cardinals. Now, I want this to lead into a a, a kind of... a a string of free agents that I've got here. I want to throw them out to you, lads, and if one of them stands out to you and you think you've got a team where they would be really good, let me know. So, to me, the standout free agents that are still on the market as of the start of July... Hop, the aforementioned Hopkins, Jarvis Landry, Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette. Zeke? E- and Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the, the inner Cowboy in me. I didn't <laughs> want to put him in there. Because <laughs> I, I know he's still with well, the Cowboy. I know he's coming straight back so, to uh, the It's your sweet. Ezekiel Elliott, Dallas Cowboys. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Chapels, if you're a team, think of a team and think of a player that you want to add.
1: Um, I mean, I think it's a, it's one that's been linked, although I, th- I think it's gone a little bit cold at the minute because I've, I've seen that I think the Dolphins might be in for him. But I do think the Bills could do with a high-quality running back. And I know there was talk mm. of the Bills being interested in Dalvin Cook. Um, yeah. Whether it happens now, I don't know. As I said, I think in the past couple of days, there's been a lot of ruminations about Miami, which is another, um, mm. you know, Team totally just, stacked backfield. You know they, they've yeah. been they've been running back for committee by a long time, and I think in the same with the Bills, I've neither have had a standout running back, and I do think a, a Dalvin Cook coming in there would sort of would give them a leg up into. You know, I mean they, they've they've been close in the past couple of years. They've had good teams, but they've just not been able to get over the hump, and that's why I, th- I think that that that'd be the team I pick because that they're, they're, they're so close to it. They just need something to get them over the edge, and I do think that a Dalvin Cook yeah. in there could do that.
0: Yeah, it's one of those that's so. Obvious that you just know it won't get done yeah. because a lot of times yeah. with these mm-hmm. moves, it's like the obvious ones just never get done. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, Kareem Hunt's a name that stands out to me a lot. You know, uh, Kareem Hunt. He's not he's not that old, and obviously he was completely like. Just took the league by storm in his first year, released by the chiefs chiefs uh with some controversy, but then went to the Browns and had some very very productive seasons until last season when he very much fell out of favor. I think it's because he wanted to leave the browns and now that he is available um I don't know maybe maybe his performances just fell off a cliff and and I didn't notice it uh but doubt um kareem Hunt's certainly one of those were. If I was a team that needed a solid running back too, I would be in for Kareem Hunt. Let's say the Tennessee Titans. Mm. I would be in for Kareem Hunt if I was the Tennessee Titans just to shore up uh, something behind Derrick Henry mm. that they've not had ever since Derek Henry's been there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we had uh, some other news in terms of the whole Stefan Diggs saga, but he's back and training with the Bills now. He will be there. It got weird at some points there. But uh, Stefan Diggs is back and should be right near the top of your draft board, I'd say. Foster and M- Moreau is in remission from Hodgkin's yeah. former, which is fantastic news. Um, good relationship with Derek Carr, though, as well. And, uh, as I say, fantastic news that he's yeah. going be, gonna to be playing. Um, Tyreek Hill, he has won. Facing charges after slapping a man in Miami. Um yeah. <laughs> well, I mean <laughs> bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre. Um Fifty Seven Year Old Man was the news article <laughs> that I read. So uh I want to know what happened there. Hmm. Uh, We don't know whether Hill will face disciplinary action from the Dolphins or the league, but what we do know is these types of issues take a while. Look at Alvin Kamara from last year, February 2022. He was involved in an altercation, and he's still not seen any action from his team or the league. So what I would say about... Tyreek Hill, is don't expect him to be suspended this year. I think I think it's fine this year. However, while we're on that, keep an eye on the status of Alvin Kamara because it feels weird that um, we've kind of forgotten about that issue. Yeah. La- the, the talk last off-season was Kamara might be suspended, Kamara might be suspended. Oh, he's not suspended. That gets pushed to next year then. Well, we're approaching next year, and things have gone pretty quiet, so keep an eye on the news about Alvin Kamara. But as I said, Tyreek Hill, don't be slapping... Any fifty-seven-year-old men again, please.
1: Was it literally just a single solitary slap?
0: I'm not sure. I'm not sure. To be fair, I'm not sure if this person worked somewhere. Um, I think it's slap as well. It's, it's not like a hit. Yeah, it's it's specific. hit. It's slap. <laughs> it's slap, which is specific. Which I mean, it it sort of just gives you a, a picture of what happened. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, you don't slap anyone. Yeah. No matter what age. (laughs) I would say. (laughs) Just live by that rule. Yeah. (laughs) Um,. Devonte Parker extended on what I think was a pretty big deal. I mean it could be you know um it's a thirty three year thirty three million deal with the Patriots. you know it could be a one year ten million deal that they can get out of who knows, mm. but I thought that was a number that really kind of stuck out to me when you see receivers like a Hopkins that can't seem to get a contract from anywhere. uh It just tells me that the Patriots are looking to use Devontae Parker mm. uh and Brock Brock Purdy remains on track for week one. <laughs> As I did see like a bit starter. of a, I did see a bit of a, like a, a San Francisco, um, you know, not, not like a puff piece, but you know, just like talking about you know what's going on in the off season and stuff, and like people are bigging up Sam Darnold, and yeah, it, d- it, do, it, this this they? isn't this isn't gonna be clear. Like I think this quarter, I think like, week one rolls around, it is clear. I think week ro- one rolls around, and Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, and Sam Darnold are all on the field together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anyone's if anyone's gonna make it happen, <clears throat> yeah, Shanahan.
1: Yeah, I think I think they could if they're gonna deal Trey Lance. I think I would probably do it before the season starts because obviously once Purdy goes out on the pitch and he's the clear number one, then Trey Lance's volume, sorry, his value just goes down the toilet. So I kind of feel like if you are yeah. the 49ers, you're in training camp. Brock Purdy looks like the guy. I would just pull the trigger on it personally. So then you know before the rest yeah. of the league sees it.
0: Yeah. I suppose it's one of those where, if and I I admit if I was the Niners, it's one of those where we 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 put so much draft capital in uh, Lance, and we know Brock Purdy's our guy, but like if you deal Lance, he's gone, Yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, yeah. and there's no turning back, and as, as I said, there's so much draft capital in him, that even if they're not going to play him, uh, you'd kind of maybe want him around, just in case, yeah, absolutely. So because once he's gone, he's gone, and that's that second overall pick, or was it third overall pick of the draft, The second or third I'm, overall pick
1: of the draft, gone. I, I do agree, but wasn't Sam Darnold also a, was he a second overall pick? Or a first He one. was,
0: but we're, talk, we're talking about like this is Sam Darnold's third team now, isn't it? Yeah. You know, he, he was. He, people blamed the, the Sam Darnold experience at the Jets on the Jets. Yeah. Uh, I think people were a, a lot quicker to blame the Carolina Panthers experience on Sam Darnold because he looked pretty terrible. Um, which is why, you know, but but you never know because every off-season you hear about Kyle Shanahan just being infatuated with Kirk Cousins. So you never know. <laughs> it, it's these coaches like Shanahan and McVay who clearly see something or there's something about these players like Donald or Cousins that they think that would be perfect for my system. I'm already hearing chatter about there being a tug of war between the Rams and the 49ers for Kirk Cousins next year. I'm just I'm not making that up. <laughs> Yeah. yeah so let's dive in to some temperature checks i want to get a whole group temperatures how we're feeling towards some teams some units and some players that i think are pretty interesting going into this next season and i want to start with a team that i really like coming into this next season and that is the atlanta falcons uh they seem to be a team that has built quietly uh, who know exactly who they are and how they want to play. They have so much young potential at the skill positions and a clear style of football that they want to play. I, I've i spoken to Lou extensively about how I think the Falcons win that division. How I think they're a playoff team this year. How I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. And I think if you look at the Falcons' record over the past two years under Aft Smith, you might be surprised by how many games they did actually win. Um, but what... Is your temperature on the Falcons? We'll start with Lou. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely um, side more with you in that. I do think they're gonna be good. It helps that they're in a pretty pretty poor division, so you know they could be the favourites in that division. Um, I just like how you know they've they've strengthened the running game with you know with drafting. Um, B. John Robinson, who, you know, Arthur Smith, the head coach, used to be the offensive coordinator of the Titans. He's now got his Derek Henry, mm-hmm. you know, w- who he can fully implement this sort of run ideology with. Um, so, you know, they've, they've strengthened that run, run game and acquired a lot of pieces on defence. Um, you know, they've assembled the building blocks of what makes a good team, a solid on the ground and a good defence. So I think... That to me is why they're going to be a safe, solid Mm -hmm. team. I think. I don't think outside of Bijan Robinson, many people excite me fantasy wise on the Mm -hmm. team. Um, That comes down for me to Desmond Ridder, quarterback. I just, you know, I I know he didn't really play much at all last year, but out of all of the rookie quarterbacks who did play, you know, a, a handful of games, he was probably the most underwhelming one for me, yeah. so I don't know. But it, it helps that this this team has sort of put all the pieces around him so that, you know, it's not on his shoulders, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, so fantasy-wise, it's just Bijan for me, but I do think they're going to be pretty decent. You, you have got Taylor Heineke in there as well, if you wanted to bring in someone who we know can sling it. Taylor Heineke is facilitating. Can sling it. You know, Terry McLaurin, mm-hmm. John Dotson for yeah. a bit last year. But what about yeah. you, Sharples? How are you feeling on the Falcons?
1: Um, yeah, I think temperature wise for me, um, you know, they're a nice milky cup of tea. Um, you know, they're not, not boiling hot. Uh, nice temperature, very drinkable. Um, I, I think I was a little bit surprised by how high on them I was because, you know, last season I thought they were genuinely woeful. Um, but they've made a lot of changes this offseason, as we've mentioned, uh, including pretty much uh, overhauling the defence. Um, they brought in Jesse Bates over free agency, which I think is a big, big improvement. He's a fantastic. Uh, fantastic, uh, is it, I can't remember if it's a safety or a cornerback, but whatever he is, he's very good at it. Um, and also offensive wise, obviously we, we, we've mentioned Bijon, uh Robinson. They've also still got 9 million left in cap room, so I mean, still plenty of scope to bring in a difference maker there. And I think that the big factor for me uh, is just the fact that the NFC South looks absolutely diabolical. Um, so mm-hmm. even if they aren't as aren't as good as we think they're going to be. I mean, if, if they get a nine 9-8, that's probably going to top the division if, if we're being realistic. So, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I think the Falcons are going to certainly make a, a playoff run this year. How deep they get into it, probably not very deep, but a, a good solid foundation to build on anyway.
0: Yeah, I think there are a lot of people's kind of pick for playoff team that wasn't a playoff team last year. Mm. Um, let's let's move on to a fun one, though. I'll come straight back to you again, Sharples. The Broncos. Here we go again.
1: I, I, this is this is a strange one for me because I've got a firm opinion on them. But every when when I was doing the research for the segment, there was a lot of people who are high on them. Even even Brian Baldinger, who does my beloved Baldy's breakdowns, I think is brilliant. But I think a lot of the positivity is is because of Sean Payton. Obviously, his, his, his reputation precedes him, and a lot of people are certain that he, he'll be the one to sort of sprinkle the magic dust. But I, I just don't see it personally. Um, I think a lot of their offensive pieces, when you look at the depth chart, they just look a bit stale. We've still not seen it from the likes of Javante. Obviously, injuries, I know, but still, Jerry Judy hasn't, still hasn't made the leap. Cortland Sutton, you know, hasn't, wasn't, didn't get back to his best under Wilson. I just, and and I think as well, I mean, we talked about that the the Falcons have a have a good division. Broncos have the opposite. I think there's going to be a firm ceiling because they've got the Chiefs and the Chargers in that division. So even if they do improve how much is it really going to be? I think that cause I don't, I still don't think they're as good as those two. I think the Raiders have fallen off a cliff this year, but still I, I just don't see it. I, I just don't see it. It's going to be a mammoth turnaround if, if Sean Payton gets him in the playoffs mm-hmm. for
0: me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to be on the Broncos hype train at all. <laughs> oh,
1: here we year. go. I
0: rode that hype train <laughs> all the way to hell. Um <laughs> it, they have to be better than last year. That's all I'll say. They have to be better. but that being said, you know I and I'm sure i would I would challenge you and anyone listening to name me one Denver Bronco who you're confident in drafting at their ADP and starting on your fantasy team because I don't know Russell I don't Wilson's know what ADP is going to be about quarterback 25, hasn't it? Yeah, so <laughs> if you're in a 25 team league, but other than that, you know, Jerry Judy is probably the highest in ADP. I think he's going in the 5th round wide receiver 23 i don't really want to go near any of these pieces i mean P Ryan. he's projected quite high to to the start towards the start of the season um you know and people are talking about him as a bit of a breakout i i'm completely not buying that at all because to me he's, he seems like a bit of a fantasy rental mm. you know like mm. yeah you might be getting him for a solid four weeks, but when Giovanni Williams comes back, when they maybe add someone in free agency, I think Dalvin Cook fits yeah. in the Broncos. Um, I just, I just can't see, and Piran is not the starting running back. You know, all season that's never been his game. He's never been the guy who just ground and pound. So I think it's a bit of a smoke screen there with Piran. I think his ADP is is fine for what he's going to be, but I would absolutely not reach for him at all. But um, yeah, I I'm just not really looking at any Broncos. Yeah, really. If if you're a coach in the NFL, it just tells me like no, we've had we've had two years worth two really highly thought of and respected um, coaches in um Josh McDaniels uh, last year and Sean Payton this year have, have moved to the AFC West and if I'm a coach I'm looking to move anywhere to any <laughs> yeah. team other than that division yeah. so as, as much as Sean Payton is you know future Hall of Fame head coach as much as uh, Josh McDaniels is potential uh kind of future Hall of Fame coordinator, if they even put coordinators in there. But you know what I mean? He, he won all those rings with uh, the Patriots. It's like, to me, just having, for the Broncos, Sean Payton doesn't immediately make them better or have more potential than the Chiefs or the Chargers. I think it's a real uphill battle. Um, I think they must have handed him a blank check uh, because, yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't I don't project amazing things for the Broncos. I hope... Um, Jerry Judy can be better. Some of the weapons can be better, but it's a free pass for Payton because if Wilson's better, then he's the genius who fixed Russell Wilson. If Wilson's rubbish, then it's bye bye Russell Wilson, uh, Sean Payton, have another go next year. Mm. So you know it's a it's a free pass. Yeah. Um, but another team that that I'm particularly interested in. Uh, or, or another unit, I should say, is the Patriots' offense truly, truly dreadful? The Frankenstein monster <laughs> of Joe Judge <laughs> and, um, and Matt Patricia. Last year, it went about as well as if you if you know who those people are, it went as about as well as you 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 thought it was going to go. You know, putrid offense. Bill O'Brien's back. Former. Uh, Head coach of the Texans, he's been with the Patriots before, he's been coaching at college level since, uh, a very high college level, Uh, and I am really intrigued by this, you know, Bill O'Brien is a super proven coach, the Texans, while he was there um, in the years, the first few years that Watson was there, were very, very good. I don't even remember. They were really good and their offense was really fun. Uh, they also got Juju Smith-Schuster and Devontae Parker, as we said, has got the new contract. Mac Jones looking to get back on track. I'm not buying this Bailey Zappy thing. And Romando Stevenson, uh, he's got the backfield to himself and he's a really great running back. So, I mean, obviously I think this offense is going to be better than it was last year. It couldn't get much worse. But where do we see in that division... What what do we see, here, lads? Do we see a team that could threaten playoffs, or do we see at least a team that could give us some fantasy value that wasn't there last year, Lou? You know what, like, I am actually, you know, a little bit higher on the Patriots than last year. But both of the questions you just asked, I don't, I I don't think either of them, because I I just think they're in an absolutely stacked division, and also, I don't know if you'll have any extra players doing well in fantasy. I know of one player who will do very well in fantasy. Um, I mean, like you said, bottom seven offense last year, really terrible. What is intriguing me about the Bill O'Brien hire is that when he was the head coach of Houston, he was the play caller as well for the majority of the time. And while he was the play caller, he made Arian Foster and Lamar Miller Belko running backs, you know, both from 250 to 300 touches um, nearly every season they were there. That's sort of around the ballpark Stevenson was, so less competition in the backfield, you know, Damien Harris is gone, new offensive coordinator whose schemes and philosophy can thrive with Stevenson. Hopefully, in turn, a better offense with more scoring opportunities. Like, for me, the, the sort of headline of this Patriots offense is if last year was Stevenson's breakout this year should be where he sort of cements himself as one of those top Mm. five top ten definitely top five guys other than that there's no one I would really reach for Wide receivers have got a fine wide receiver call, but no one I'd necessarily. Yeah, they they lost Jacoby Mines, if I'm correct, but I mean, there's always, with that Bill O'Brien and Houston connection, there's always the possibility of Hopkins coming to town, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But what do you think, Sharples, about the Patriots' offense this season?
1: Yeah, I think I'm probably a little bit further down on the wide receiver call than you guys are by the sounds of it. Although I do agree that if Hopkins came in, then it would be, it'd be nice. But for me, I think if you're, if you're one and two is, uh, Smith Schuster and Devontae Parker, I think, I think you're in trouble personally. Mm. And I look at the rest of the wide receiver car and no one really, really jumps out at me. Um, Ramandre, yeah I mean he's dead on to, to repeat this year I think obviously injury aside I mean the likes of Pierre Strong or Ty Montgomery aren't going to take any workload away and obviously Damian Harris has been shipped off so I, I think he's he's an absolute solid starter uh, but for me I just I just don't see where the, the improvement's going to come from I mean Mac Jones for example he's not one of them guys that's going to come back off the offseason and He's put on twenty pounds of muscle, and he's gonna. Like, he's not. He's not that kind of player, and I think he already had a good grasp of the playbook initially. So I don't really see where they improve from that front. I don't think the wide receiver core is gonna give them much. The only thing I like, and it's more of a real life thing than a fantasy football, I love the dovetail of Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki at tight end. But for fantasy, yeah, it, it means you can't pick either of them. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, i I think they'll they'll be they'll be fine as they always are the Patriots, but I, I don't see much excitement. And then couple that with the fact that they're in a division with the Bills, the Dolphins, and the ever-ascending Jets. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a tough season.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Gasicki and uh, Henry, they're probably, combined, going to get you about 15 touchdowns next year. You're just never going to be able to tell who's going to score the touchdowns. Just interesting on Stevenson, I I think we're all pretty high on Stevenson. We're looking at running back 10, I think... You know, it, I don't expect Stevenson to finish the season any lower than running back ten. So I think you, you kind of you can draft him as the running back ten, and you're looking at the third round, middle of the third round ish. Um, I think I like that price for Stevenson. Oh, I do. I, I think he's a steal yeah. in right. the middle of the third. Yeah, yeah, running back, running back ten. I can already think of three running backs whose ADPs are higher than that. Who I would take Stevenson over. Mm. So yeah. Okay. Talk to me about the Seahawks wide receivers, though. What do we do here? You had Geno Smith throwing 30 touchdowns last year, which was great. You've got Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and um, Smith and Jigba coming uh, highly in the draft. Very highly thought of player as well. He looks great. But what what are we doing here? Uh, who are we targeting in fantasy? Who do we think is going to be the standout? Uh, what, what do you think, Sharples?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean... Metcalf's always been, for me, a quite a high-floor guy. Lockett, for the past few years, has consistently crushed his ADP. But, you know, you're adding a first-round wide receiver into the mix. So there's surely going to be, you know, an impact there. Uh, I mean, great for Geno Smith, great for Seahawks fans. I think, for me, what it's going to come down to is purely draft capital. And I think that, because I, I took DK Metcalf last year, I believe, in the third and I was very happy with that, but I think, I think now you have to, if you see him in the third, you've got to, you really do have to weigh it up. Tyler Lockett, as we've mentioned, is out consistent outperforms ADP, but he's another year older, and at some point he has to drop off. So, depending on where he's going, I think I would be probably targeting Smith Najigba out of all of them, just to see because, yeah, I think he's probably got the got the. Got the most potential to outperform his ADP, and I don't think you're gonna to have to spend as anywhere near as much of him as you would do on Metcalf. So, of the three of them, I'd probably be going for the rookie. I think. Yeah, I, I
0: agree, Chapels. Um, you're looking at uh, Smith and Jigbert in about the ninth round, Lockett in around about the seventh round, um, ish. The, these are rough s uh, these are uh, rough ones I've got here. Yeah. But then you, you're shooting way up to about the. the the kind of third, fourth round for Metcalf, and he's in that kind of wide receiver one territory, which we all know he can be, mm. but with that stacked of the wide receiver room, I am probably looking for the value in one of the other two guys as well. And I feel like, um, because it's so close, I feel like I, out of Smith and Jigbert and Lockett, I'm probably just going to fall in love with the one that I end up drafting. Yeah, I, I kind of don't want to pick a favourite at the minute, but what What about you, Lou? Yeah, it's a tough one. Like I said, like you know, we know Metcalf is a great, great player. It's JSN and Lockett for me that are the two factors which I don't know about. Obviously, like Sharpers was saying, they spent a first-round pick on JSN. They're going to utilise him. Um, but, you know, Metcalf's not going anywhere and JSN isn't really a straight swap for Lockett at all. You know, he's bigger, he's not as fast, he's more of a possession guy, whereas Lockett is, you know more of you down the field, you know, break, yeah. you know, broken player, wide receiver. Um, so for me, I, I think it's far more likely that all three have some relevance, but you're underwhelmed by them all, yeah. rather than it yeah. being a two-headed monster where both of them are weekly starts, unfortunately. Um, so I, I'd be fading all three yeah. of them, unfortunately, yeah. And also you're looking at <clears throat> current ADP right now, in between directly... In between Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigba, you have Brandon Ayuk, you have Mike Evans, you have Deontay Johnson, you have Hollywood Brown, you have Traylon Burks, all in between the two Seattle receivers. You're looking at receivers there that I've just named that are potentially the number one Mm -hmm. on their team. And with Lockett and Jigba, you're looking at um, the kind of fighting for a... A number two spot at best behind Metcalf, so I'm probably taking mm. other wide receivers yeah. around them. Yeah. Um but I do like obviously we know the talent of Lockheed. I do love the talent of JSN. Um I think they're gonna be a really exciting team to watch. Um not exciting to to decide over them for fantasy though. Uh let's talk about Nick Chubb quickly. No Kareem Hunt, he could get catching work, and is he gonna be unstoppable, Lou? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely like why is he not why Why is he not going one overall then? It's a great question because he could he he, gen, he very well could finish as the number one overall fantasy uh, running back this year. Um, he's you know Gun as the running back six currently, um, middle of the second round. That to me is the flaw. Like I think it's only going to rise during the off season where you're going to have to draft Nick Chubb. It's weird like. Over the past couple of years, especially, I've found that um, people seem to sour on Nick Chubb as draft season, of fantasy draft season approaches, because of the you know the whole pass catching thing. Whereas I don't know why that was always a non-factor for Derrick Henry, but was always a yeah. factor against mm. Nick Chubb. Um, but I think last year showed that that is complete nonsense. You know, Chubb was amazing again last year. Um, And you you picked him up last year at, like, running back 10 Mm -hmm. to 13 or something, which is ridiculous. You're never going to have to – you know, you're never going to be able to pick up Nick Chubb at that price again for the next few years. Um, Yeah, I mean – (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why it was a hot take, but yeah, now you've mentioned it, him going number one overall, I don't think he's that hot of a no, take. No, and, and I'm, looking at, I'm looking at more ADPs, and we're talking, we'll, in in the next show that we do, uh, one of the pre-draft shows, we'll, we'll talk about some kind of uh, draft steals before giving you our kind of rankings, um, I'm seeing Derek Henry at the minute, uh, ADP of 20, um, running back 8, and... <laughs> Derek Henry running back eight, it feels stupid. Yeah. It feels like it feels like that's too low for mm. him. But um
1: as I said, we'll get into that anyway. But Sharples,
0: what do you think about Nick
1: Chubb? Yeah, I mean, God, absolutely scalding hot. I mean I think <laughs> I think even even if the the passing uh load doesn't uptick that much, I just think the extra volume he's gonna get running wise without Kareem Hunt being there. Will just be tremendous. I think he's always been a, a pretty efficient runner, anyway. But with with the increased volume, even if I think he was on something like twenty eight catches or something last year, even if that doesn't increase by by much, I mean, yeah, the extra, the extra work on the ground he's going to get. Uh, there's no one else in that in the RB room for me that challenges him. And yeah, I, I think I think he was potentially going to be up there when we start, you know, looking towards MVPs and things like that. I think he's going to be in the running for me because. Mm. It, I think he definitely could be that that RB one as long as he stays healthy.
0: Yeah, Sharple's going to pick another number one overall pick as his MVP, but whatever. Yeah. Probably, probably. <laughs> um, no, for, and it's you know it's interesting for me as well. Nick Chubb, the only reason for me that like I'm just going to draft him based on his ADP. If Nick Chubb's ADP stays. Around the you know mid second round as running back six, that's where I'll draft him. If Nick Chubb's ADP goes up to running back two, that's where I'm going to draft him. You know, it's where it's where you can get away drafting yeah. him. I guess you know I'll be fine as high as it goes. What I think this is, I think people don't project the the Browns to be very good, um, which I don't either. I don't. I'm not excited about Cleveland whatsoever, and I think that's what you're seeing. But it is so weird how a, a a player in Nick Chubb where when you talk about him for fantasy, you always have the caveat. He's probably the best real life running back in the whole league. Yeah. And now he's got the backfield to himself, we're still kind of fading him uh when it comes to draft season. I like I said, I think that's because people aren't in love with uh with Cleveland, to be honest with you. Um but let's talk about one last player. Let's talk about Trevor Lawrence. People are expecting really big things you got one of my favourite players in the whole league, Calvin Ridley, coming in. It's his second year in this Doug Peterson system. Um, Sharples, are you as high as, I think, Louis on Trevor Lawrence?
1: Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very high on, on Trevor Lawrence. The wide receiver call is great. Um, obviously, Christian Kirk and Zay Jones were both good last year. Add Calvin Ridley into that mix, I think it's going to get very spicy. Uh, not only that, they've got obviously uh, Travis Etienne in the backfield, uh, who I'm hoping will be utilized a little bit more in terms of pass catching. Um, and I, I don't know much about Tank Bigsby, to be fair. I think he's a bit more of just a just a runner. But I think certainly Travis, Travis Etienne in, in the passing game should be a factor, and the sort of re-breakout of Evan Engram from last year. So you can't say he's you know he, he's, he's still on the ground in terms of weapons. And I think the big thing is it's just another year of healing away from the you know. From the Urban Meyer regime, another year of, of Doug Peterson, mm. and when you look at the division as well, I mean Texans, Colts, and Titans don't really strike too much fear in you. So I, I think um, I think these guys could could top the division, and I think it's going to be another strong year for for Trevor Trevor Lawrence.
0: Yeah, fully agree with that. You know, every point that Sheffield's made. You know, more weapons this year. Uh, another year into this offense. Um, for me, just just one point necking me sort of really really high on Lawrence is that we've we've really great quarterbacks in in the league. They th- they thrive under pressure, and for the first time in a long time, there's gonna be pressure and expectation on the Jags to do well. And I think I think Lawrence is gonna thrive in that, and I think he's he's gonna produce career numbers again uh, because of that. I think it's gonna be a great year. Mm. I would draft him over Justin Fields what about you um <sighs> i think he's a better player i think he is a better player but if you're talking fantasy Justin Fields is a bit of a bit of a cheat code with those yeah. wheels um that's really difficult <laughs> what do you think Sharples, lawrence or, or fields
1: uh i think i would take fields purely because the peaks are just so high with him
0: mm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm.
1: okay let's talk about
0: some running backs in a section i'm going to call committee chaos we always, the, the dreaded term running back committee, you hate hearing it in fantasy football. Um, we're going to go through, through some projected current depth charts as well as the ADP of these players. Uh, and I just kind of want to know from you two, you know, um, based off ADP, who are you drafting or who do you think is going to be the standout of that running back room? Uh, let's start with the Bills we've already talked about the potential of Dalvin Cook going there at the minute they have his brother James Cook in there second year player James Cook currently the running back 29 going in round 8 and Damien Harris coming over from the Patriots running back 36 going in round 10 Uh, so not much in between them two not high draft capital in either of them if you were going to take a punt on one of them Lou who would it be uh, in a word, probably Damien Harris. Damien but Harris. I do like the idea of it being, you know, like a, a chef and a sous chef situation yeah. with Darwin Cook and James Cook. A bit like Harris and Stevenson from the, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, you know, immediately I would go Harris just because I think he's gonna get a lot of the boring ground and pound work. But that's sort of what the running back does um, yeah. in Buffalo.
1: Shackles. If I'm being totally honest, I wouldn't touch either of them with a barge pole. Because um, not only are they going to take Please, work, yeah. take work off each other, but they've sneakily got Latavius Murray and Naheem Hines, who have hurt me so many times before yeah. by stealing, <sighs> stealing touchdowns away from who should have been the prime running back, and. And yeah I, I just i don't I don't like the room. I don't think there's there's too much difference between either of them. If I had to take a punt on one, it would probably be James Cook purely because they've drafted him. I think mm. there's a bit more incentive for them to to give him the work. but realistically i I wouldn't be touching anyone in that in that bill's room unless Dalvin was to join. I'd
0: probably agree. I might take a punt on James Cook, though, as a kind of unknown thing towards the end of the draft. If he's still going in about round eight, though, that is far too rich for me. Mm. That, like, round eight, is, still real. That's a real number. Those are yeah, real yeah, players. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. you get into, like, round 12, 13, 14, yeah. 15, whatever, then you can take a punt. Round eight is still like a, that's a real player that I yeah, have on my team. Know, man. Know, I'm know, pretty I sure. And
1: I think that, that, Christian Kirk went around round eight last year, and he was up there with the wide receivers. So yeah, there's definitely it's definitely value mm. to be had there. You don't want to be squandering it. No.
0: Yeah, and I, I, it is that that two round difference feels massive, round eight to round ten with Cook and Harris. Yeah, which yeah. is why I'd probably just go for Harris. Yeah. Here's an interesting one. He has a really crowded backfield, uh, and currently um, the depth chart is 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 telling us something that the ADP isn't. So we've got the Dolphins, we've got Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson both uh, in the running back 50-60 range both kind of at the back end of your drafts, all undrafted then you've got Devon A-Chain, uh, the rookie going running back 39 in round 11 so you're still not spending much for him uh, but this guy ran a 4.32 yard dash which is lightning fast uh, and he's the early off-season standout in terms of all kind of rookie running backs um, plenty of passing plenty of passing and big playability here too. Um Mostert in the fifteenth, knowing that he's probably the head of the backfield to start the season, Sharples are A Chain four rounds earlier.
1: I think you've got a gamble on on the A train. Because um, I just feel like I mean what what are you really gonna get with Mostert or Jeff Wilson? Like what are you really gonna get? I mean because just because Mostert's the starter, and yeah, he's in the fifteenth round. Obviously, you're not going to get many starting running backs in the in the fifteenth round. But there's a reason he's back there, and that's because him and Jeff Wilson have historically split it down the middle. So I think when when you're back there, you, you sort of that's where you're looking for your your sleeper, your potential breakout. And why why not take a punt on the rookie than than either of them two? Because we've we've seen it from them. We've seen the not neither one of them is going to do anything. And so for me, it's pretty. Pretty clear cut and dry. I'd be going for a chain in, in that scenario.
0: Yeah, I mean, round 11 is, you know, it's not it's not too rich. Uh, I agree with what Chef said. Most of them, Wilson, they're going to split it down the middle, the two of them. I mean, you know what you're getting with both of them. I think I would go, you know, I, I would gamble on on the rookie. And, you know, as long as the air train isn't functioning on Northern Rail, (laughs) British Rail Service, (laughs) it should be reliable and solid. Mersey Rail, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Raheem Mostert thing's annoying because every year you, you say, I'm not drafting that guy. No one's going to draft that guy. And he ends up like, it's the thing that we've said about Raheem Mostert. I said it last off season when there was kind of buzz around uh, Chase Edmonds. Remember that guy? Uh, <laughs> there was buzz around Chase Edmonds. And I said, here's the thing. Raheem Mostert has spent his whole career coming out on top of crowded backfields. So I'm not ready to write Mostert off. I love the potential of A chain, but I would probably uh, pick most up with the last pick of my draft, if I'm being totally honest with you. Um, But Jeff Wilson is probably going to come out on top now. Yeah, probably. Uh, The Texans, these next two really hurt me. Um, The Texans, we've got Damien Pierce, running back 22 in round seven. Seems like a steal, but hold on. Uh, So last year, Pierce just shy of 1,000 yards, but they did uh, kind of switch him off a bit towards the end of the year. Four touchdowns. Uh, Great player. Someone who you love rooting for when you're watching play. Just a great standout of last season in terms of the rookies. Coming into his second year, should be a lock as a solid running back too. However... In comes Devon Singletary. The the Devon Singletary is anti anti fantasy. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like Devon Singletary for the, for years has had the workload on an amazing Bills team and has never produced for fantasy. Um, but now he comes into the Texans. Uh, he's going running back forty eight in round thirteen. So you don't. Act, he's basically free. Um, it provides a stronger and more established presence behind Pierce than anyone last year. But does this single tree arrival, Lou, quell that Pierce excitement? Does it make you hesitant uh, to draft him as, let's say, you're you, you're running back two in round seven? A, a little bit, but you know, draft context. If I'm picking up my running back two in round seven, I've got a decent core of wide receivers, so I'd be happy picking someone like that. Yeah. Um, and, and to be honest, like like you've just outlined, Devin Singletary has always underperformed for fantasy. So I'm betting on him just being brought in as the backup. I think Damien Pierce had a lot of juice last year. I think he can prove that he's easily the number one on that team. Yeah. But for how good he was, you'd say Pierce probably himself underperformed for fantasy last True. year. True. Yeah. Um, Sharples, where do you sit on these two? Are you, well, I'm. I'm going to take it as a given that none of us are looking to draft Singletree. So let's take this as, um, yeah. How are you looking at Pierce given Singletree's arrival?
1: I think is that, is that his ADP the seventh round? Yeah. I think that's a little bit at the moment. low. I, I'd be very comfortable taking him. I mean, for fourth, fifth, I, I think he's going to be fine. I think, I think obviously Singletary's there, and it takes a little bit off the top. But I think you know Pierce has had another; we'll, we'll have had another year in the NFL in the offense. Um, I think a lot of people are excited about the new coach. People are talking about the offense as well is going to improve. So I think Pierce Pierce will make those steps, and even with Singletary there, I don't think it'll take too much away. So no, I, I'm I'm high on Pierce, and I, I think he'll be really good again this season. So yeah, if I could get him in the seventh round, I'd be absolutely ecstatic with that.
0: Yeah, it depends where you look. You know, whether you're in a PPR league or not. Damien Pierce, he's he, he's looking around that sixth, seventh round kind of thing. Anything higher than that, I think is too high for me. But of course, if he drops to the seventh, that you're looking great. It's just annoying that the excitement has been quelled, as it has. I think a little bit for um, this next guy as well. One of my favorite players in the league. He, everyone got sick of me praising uh, DeAndre Swift last year. <laughs> We're talking about the Eagles. Eagles are a team that really like and have liked DeAndre Swift, Swift for a while. So when he became available, they were the first team to to call the Lions. Swift, we're looking at running back twenty three going around the same region uh, as um, Damian Pierce in that kind of sixth seventh round. Um, you'd you'd think I was super in on him being uh, on the Eagles, one of the best teams and best offenses in the whole league. They run the ball seemingly more than anyone. Apart from the Falcons. But then you've got Kenneth Gainwell, uh, running back fifty, Rashad Penny running back thirty eight, um, going in round ten. So Gainwell's not being drafted, but Penny's still being drafted. And um Penny's arrival from Seattle makes me hesitant on Swift because Rashad Penny can play. He can really play. He's not like a to me a Gainwell or a Boston Scott where just kind of they'll fall over the line for a touchdown. Penny can play. Um uh, any of you drafting DeAndre Swift next year, Lou, we'll start with you. Uh, no one here is as excited as we all should be, I feel. Yeah, I agree. Ren Seven's is just a bit expensive for me, for someone who I see as a bit more than a gadget guy, but I don't see him getting the workload to justify that sort of pick. I mean, all of these guys who so you've outlined, Swift, Gainwell, Penny, you know, you. it's that typical fantasy thing again, where it's like, Of course a team Mm. wants to have all the best players because why wouldn't you? Because they're not running a fantasy team, they're running an actual NFL team, so they want all the best players they can. It's just a headache for fantasy players. So I really am confused by this Eagles backfield and I don't really want anything to do with any of them. What about you, Sharples? Does Rashad Penny uh, interest you in the 10th?
1: I think Penny down there would do. Um, and I think, for me, the problem that Swift has isn't even necessarily coming from the the running back room. It's it's Jalen Hurts. Because, um, obviously, mm. we, we know that Jamal Williams last season, he was one of three players who had more than eight carries from the one-yard line. And, obviously, we saw how much that hurt Swift. Another person who had that was Jalen Hurts. Like, he, he is going to run the ball wow. near the line. And so, not only is he in a crowded crowded running back room but then also you've got your quarterback who's also going to be looking to make those little one yard dashes and get over there I think he's going to struggle and I think yeah I think the real value on that team is is Penny uh, back back in the 10th as you mentioned
0: yeah um, that's really interesting chapels that he's kind of gone from one situation where the problem was the the carries on the uh, one yard liner in the red zone by someone on his team and they just gotten to the other <laughs> team with yeah. just as many. Yeah. Um yeah, but um you alluded to the Lions just then with Jamal Williams and obviously we've been talking about Swift. Um let's focus on them really quickly. You've got David Montgomery arriving from Chicago. Uh he's going running back 24 in round seven ish at the moment, seven eight uh, but they drafted Jameer Gibbs. Now we spoke. Me and Lou spoke about Gibbs on the previous episode, and particular how much I think it was a reach by the Lions. I think uh, this kind of reaching for Jameer Gibbs continues into the fantasy drafts too for me, round four is way too high for Jameer Gibbs, who has clearly got a lot of potential, and he can be a free down back, but he's an unproven player, and he's sharing a backfield with one of the most solid workhouse running backs in the league over the past few years in David Montgomery, and I think Montgomery's better than Gibbs at the minute, I'll be honest with you. Mm. Um, I'd be very surprised if Gibbs end up, ends up a board line running back one by the end of the year, like he's been drafted to be, Um uh, more than anything, like like we said, because of how the Lions like to use the running backs from last year, we saw with Swift and Jamal Williams, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Montgomery gets the Jamal Williams role. But I, I do think David Montgomery is a really good player um, who you could get as a steal in the 7th, 8th round. So I'm going to ask you straight up, Lou. Montgomery in the 7th or 8th, or Jameer Gibbs in what's looking like the 4th? I'd go Montgomery all day though just because I think the workload's gonna be similar and you you're giving me three rounds. Yeah. Chapels.
1: Yeah, same for me. The the distance in draft capital there is just, just too much for a for a guy that we're not certain on. I mean you could argue that you know they did reach in the draft and, and because they reached they, they obviously, you know, must really rate Gibbs but uh Montgomery's still got plenty left in in the tank for me and, and I think when you compare in the, the eighth round and the fourth round Yeah, I'd go Montgomery all day.
0: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So there's a bit of a potential kind of draft steal um, from us all there, David Montgomery. Uh, This last one is the most annoying one to me. It's the Seahawks. You've got Ken Walker. Um, He stood last year over a thousand yards and nine touchdowns. He's going running back 17 in round five. But they drafted Zach Charbonnet. He's going running back 32 Round nine, so you're spending draft capital on on both of these players in your fantasy drafts. And what's worrying is that the Seahawks spent just as much draft capital on Charbonnet this year as they did on Walker the previous year. They got them both in the middle of the second round. Um, it, it really confuses things in the Seattle backfield for me. You know, last year, sure, you had Penny, who's a good player, as we've just mentioned. And he was established in the team. But there was always that excitement around Walker as the young, exciting prospect. Now, both of these guys are young, exciting prospects. And, you know, this this might have to be one where you just have to wait and see because I can't see anything clear-cut coming out of training camp with how this uh, backfield's going to look. To be honest with you out of all of these backfields that we've kind of uh, looked at today, I think this is probably the most likely to be a true tandem a bit like a a Packers of the previous years where you get both guys uh, being valued and used purposefully Um, because as I said there's not a great deal Hmm. in between whether being drafted for fantasy um, but what do you think uh, Lou Walker or Charbonnet does, does Charbonnet just kind of kill all the Ken Walker hype um not not necessarily because we've seen with our eyes how good a running back Ken Walker is, so mm-hmm. y- you've gotta you've gotta take that into account before you sort of start thinking of hypothetical scenarios where Ken Walker is you know sidelined because of this other running back. I just think it's funny that the Seahawks have sort of outside of fantasy football they've got a lot better you know they've drafted yeah. some nice pieces um on you know running game and in the wide receiver room you know if you're a Seahawks fan you're, you're really optimistic but you've got your head in your hands if you're a fantasy player because it's like yeah. no <laughs> yeah. it's like there's too many options for them all to be good <laughs> yeah yeah Sharples you want to chime in on this uh, Seattle running back room
1: yeah I have to say though it's tough for me to be uh, impartial in this one because I had Ken Walker last year and he, he was absolutely brilliant for me so I suppose in my heart, I'm hoping that he can he can fight off Charbonnet and, and keep a job. But I think I think you're right in that you don't you don't spend that kind of draft capital and you know t- to not play someone. So I think this probably will end up turning into a, a committee role. I mean, if one of them goes down injured, then obviously get straight on the other one. But yeah, it's tough. Yeah. It, it, it's tough to separate these two, which is a shame because for me, Kenneth Walker didn't really didn't really do much wrong last year at all. Yeah, and I think our kind of um, inability to come up with a, a straight
0: answer for that one speaks volumes, really. Yeah. Just be hesitant towards Ken Walker in the draft. I would say because um, yeah, they spent literally the same draft capital as they did on Walker mm-hmm. on Charbonnet. The so. only the only thing wrong Ken Walker did last year was somehow get added to waivers from my team, and Sharples <laughs> picked him up. What happened there? <laughs> Put your hat. It was yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Let's go through some breakout picks now, though. We've got two each. Um, in terms of breakouts, we're talking players who we expect to put up career best numbers, you know, going from bench players or waiver wire additions to fantasy starters, players that you can plug in every week. They might not be world beaters, but they're going to be useful for fantasy in a way which they perhaps haven't been in the past. Um, Sharples, do you want to start us off with your first? Uh, 2023 season breakout pick.
1: Yeah, it was a little bit of a sneaky one this one, but it does fit the description. He was a you know bench warmer slash role player last year, and I think he's gonna have a really good year this year. So it's Alexander Mattison of the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Um, I think you know I think we've seen that every time Dalvin Cook is out, Mattison's come in and pretty much done well every time, and I think that's part of the reason that the Vikings have been so comfortable with dealing Cook. I saw a stat that extrapolated his games uh, without Cook into a 17-game season. This is his stat line. 332 carries, 1,400 rushing yards, 63 catches, 583 receiving yards, 12 total touchdowns. That is monstrous. <laughs> that is monstrous. The only yeah. question is, yeah. will the Vikings just say, here you go, here's the keys, g- you know, g- go and take that workload? They don't have too much in terms of competition in, in the running back room, but you, you just never know. Um but for me if they if they give him the ball, I think he's gonna be absolutely fantastic this year. So uh Mattison for me is my, my first breakout. Nice, very nice Lou.
0: I'm gonna go with George Pickens, wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um you know, he's further down the draft board than other second year wide outs, you know. Garrett Wilson, you're looking at the second round, Chris Olave, third round, Drake London, sixth round. Uh, Pickens is going later on in the eighth round. Um, this all really sort of depends on Kenny Pickett's growth, but, you know, the stats suggest that second-year quarterbacks do usually improve in many aspects of the game. For Pickett, that's got to be passing touchdowns. They need to multiply. Um, but, you know, despite sort of mediocre quarterback player last year, Pickens had, had a pretty modestly decent rookie season, 801 receiving yards, 4 uh, receiving touchdowns finishes the wide receiver thirty seven in fantasy, and why he's my breakout pick is because he's being drafted around that spot wide receiver thirty five currently. So you're just betting on him being better than last year, yeah. and I think that is an incredible bet to make because so I think it's I think that's going to happen. You know, as I said, it hinges on Pickett's growth and an increased workload for Pickens. Um, he's got to establish himself as one of the top two targets on the team. You know, got to increase. He only he had a fifteen percent target share last year, so that has to increase. But I feel like he has the capability to do that. Um, and you know what I mean? One of the reasons I'm, I want to make him a breakout pick is just because it's really exciting. Like he's a big dude got that really eccentric and sort of louder than life personality that all really great wide receivers do. Just seems like he can be a stud, an absolute stud in this league. I mean, you know, this isn't really the most projectable or sort of wisest factor to go off, but just look at the tape. Look at the the catches that this guy made last year. Actually, in fact... um He was first among rookies in contested catch rate and third across the entire league, every wide receiver. He was third with 12 contested catches behind only Justin Jefferson and DK Metcalf, you know, and that was with the awful, that was probably, yeah, he was in contested catches probably because of the awful quarterback play. Um So, you know, he's obviously a guy who can find separation downfield no matter what the coverage, met those big players, and hopefully sort of the quality and quantity of those opportunities is going to increase with an improved offensive line and a better quarterback throwing in the ball. You know, he's going to be on a team with Deonna Johnson, who's a great wide receiver. Side note, I'm not worried about Alan Robinson in the slightest usurping pickings like... Mm. He's a non-factor to me. If anything, Robinson just hopefully draws defenders away from Pickens, but I don't see Arn Robinson being a factor at all. Um, Yeah, the question is just if Pickett can improve uh, enough to sustain two relevant pass catchers, you know, with Fry moving in the the mix there as well. But Pickens' ADP is just too good to miss for me. I think he has the potential to be a really good wide receiver in this league. And I am going to start my breakouts off with Romeo Dobbs, wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, second-year wide receiver, going uh, wide receiver 63, not being drafted anywhere, really, in your fantasy drafts. I would be amazed if he uh, finishes the season anywhere near uh, wide receiver 60. You know, he's Mm. going to be a lot higher than that. I, to be honest, expect this Packers' offense to really come of age this year. Not necessarily straight away, but I'm really optimistic. And it makes me kind of uh, super in on these kind of... You know, you look at Aaron Jones going running back 17 in kind of the fourth round or something, fifth round. It makes me super in on plays like that because I think this Packers' offense is going to be a lot better than people are projecting. I think they're going to come of age before our very eyes. So, obviously, this pick... It was a toss-up between Dobbs and Watson, um, and although Christian Watson does have the big playability over Dobbs, I like the flashes Dobbs showed last year of being a really solid and dependable uh, route runner and just a good wide receiver. Rogers really liked his route running last year and hyper-targeted him in a few games to the point where, through less games than Watson, he had more targets and receptions than Watson did last year. So uh, the kind of carving out their own roles in that offense. Um, there's been an immediate connection with Dobbs and Jordan Love in training camp. He's seeming to be Love's favorite target. And for a quarterback uh, that will be looking to settle into games uh, this season, that dependable slot target that Dobbs is over like that, over-the-top big target of Watson might be the way to go, especially the since there are early offseason concerns about Jordan Love's deep ball. Um Plus, you know, with, with Watson, you're looking at spending a fifth-round pick on a wide receiver with an unproven quarterback. Whereas with Dobbs, it's he, basically free. Um, yeah, I really like him this year. I think he could be a really strong flex, maybe uh, kind of wide receiver too. In the in the mold of kind of a, a Robert Woods in mm. the day, where you had Cup and Woods, and Woods was just kind of a solid, dependable, twelve to seventeen points every week. Uh, I would like that on my team, and uh, I'm I'm gonna be picking up Romeo Dobbs at the end of my drafts. Uh, Sharples, give us your, your next breakout.
1: Well, Al, you you were torn between uh, Dobbs and Watson, so I combined the two and went for Johan Dotson, uh, wide receiver for the Washington <laughs> Commanders. Um, he showed some real flashes last year, real flashes. For, um, four touchdowns in in his first four games. Uh, went down with, injury, with a hamstring injury in the middle of the season, then came back strong. Uh, Led the team in receptions in in the last five games ahead of even Terry McLaurin. Now, he's not better than Terry McLaurin, let's just say that for a fact. But for the difference in draft capital between the two, I'd be taking Dotson 100%. I do think McLaurin's been a bit of a letdown the, the past couple of years, certainly. The only real worry for me is just the team around them. I mean, at quarterback, Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett don't really inspire... The O-line last year was in was in the bottom five of the league. They haven't really made any improvements there. But I do think, despite the swamp that he's in, I think he's got the talent to, to push himself out of there. And I think, really, to chip into McLaurin's numbers and making them a bit more of a a 1A and a 1B rather than a, a 1-2. Um, so, yeah, Johan Dotson for me.
0: Luke? I'm also going to go with a Washington commander, but mine's going to be Brian Robinson Jr. You can't Um, have two breakouts. That team is not going to take two breakouts. No, it isn't. That's true. Who's going to be wrong? Obviously Robinson started last year his rookie season with a horrible injury. Uh but came back, showed himself to be uh maybe not a flashy, but definitely a capable running back. His usage was great, averaged over 17 touches a game when he played. Um, you know, big bodied, resilient back. Uh this offense obviously trusts him. I think they're going to utilise him even more coming into a fresh year too with a new offensive coordinator, former Chiefs offensive guru Eric Bienemi. Now, Sorry to break this to you guys, but Sam Howell isn't Pat Mahomes. What? Yeah, he's How not. How dare you. Uh, Sam Howell, <laughs> fifth round pick last year. Um, not really sure what they've got in him there, personally. Um, so, I don't think they are. Yeah. I don't think they are. Seems to me that the enemy's going to have to make this running cool. game the focal point of the offense, uh, which is an exciting prospect for Robinson, having multi-Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator, drafting up your players you know the workload is going to be shared but the ship has sailed on Gibson for me Um, you can talk every offseason about Gibson's athleticism and like his potential if they use him right but every year you draft Gibson you're disappointed so I'm going to go for the player I think is going to get the bulk of the work which is Robinson he's currently being drafted as the running back 32 in round 10 100% 100% with a pickup there, I think. Uh, and I think he could sneak into that top 24 with a full season as the team's primary piece in the running game. Nice. nice. And I'm going to render this out with Rashad White, running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, being drafted running back 25 in kind of the, the round 7-8 turn. Um, there's no Leonard Fournette here. And Rashad White is the guy now. You know, he looked nice last year when we saw him play... Um, and he he's, he looks and has said that he's very determined to be the first Bucks running back to rush for over a thousand yards since 2015. Uh, they've got a new offensive coordinator, and he's expected to place more emphasis on the running game, especially since Tom Brady isn't there to sling it around anymore. You know, they need to get back to kind of grounding and pounding, especially in a division where you can win a lot of games of defense and a running game. This looks like a rubbish division, as we've said before. I think. You could see some wins, uh, some surprising wins racked up by Tampa Bay. Um, But they were truly awful last year uh, at running the ball. So the arrow has to be pointing up because it can't be pointing down. And Fournette was usable from time to time over the past few years. White is more versatile than Fournette. And he's expected to catch a fair amount of passes this season too. I think if you can pick up a young starting free down back in the 7th or 8th round of your fantasy drafts, then that should really be a steal to be honest with you. So I'm going to go Rashad White. I'll definitely be picking him up in my drafts. I think he could be a real kind of gem in what's probably going to be an underwhelming Buccaneers season. But you know... The, the the kind of the easy matches for, for Rashad White to kind of go ham on teams are there. And just to finish off, Lou and Sharples, I have put together a few over unders for you. I just want to get get your kind of opinions on these lines that I've created uh to see how you're feeling on some players. Uh we'll start with Najee Harris. How are you feeling? Over under 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns. He's had 1,000 yards in each season he's played in the NFL so far. But people seem very down on Najee Harris this year. I'm not one of those people. I think he's a steal. I think he's got an amazing smile. Uh, and he's just <laughs> a great, a great player. But yeah. what do you think, Sharple?s Over under 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns, Najee Harris.
1: Uh, I, I think the 1,000 yards is, is a certainty. Nine touchdowns is where I have a bit of a problem. I don't think okay. we've really seen that from him yet. I think, based on what I've seen, he's more of a six, seven touchdown kind of guy. Um, so unless unless something changes or he just gets a lot more volume around the goal line, for me, he'll hit the yardage, but I, I don't see the touchdowns personally.
0: Okay, but, Lou? Yeah, Um <laughs> I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over because yeah I think he's gonna get the yardage and I think this offense is gonna be improved. The offensive line is improved, so I think he's gonna have more opportunities at the goal line. So I'm I'm gonna go over on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I saw him started out on one of these uh fantasy sites at like 950 yards. I'm like I will eat my hat <laughs> if, if he doesn't rush for. Yeah. Um, he is a stealer in the draft. Yeah. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, 30 all-purpose touchdowns. Now, he beat that line easily in his second and third seasons, his first two seasons as a starter, but not in the previous two seasons. He hasn't had 30 all-purpose touchdowns in the previous two years. Lamar Jackson is someone who we always see as having maybe a higher ceiling than anyone else in the league, but Lou, Lamar Jackson over, under 30 all-purpose touchdowns. I'm going to go under... Just because not not a reflection on Lamar Jackson, uh, just because I still I'm still bored by this Baltimore team. Yeah, um, new like, coordinator though. True, but still the same head coach. I'm not really in love with the OBJ signing. Um, I don't think OBJ is gonna gonna do much for Lamar Jackson touchdown wise. Um, it's a good line because he's gonna be there or thereabouts. I'm just gonna pick the under. chapels.
1: Ugh, tough one. Um, my my head says under, my heart says over. Uh, you know what? I think he's gonna creep over. I think he might get around. I don't know. Maybe, maybe sort of the thirty three mark. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's been tough because I think I think particularly us guys, we've been sort of picking him as the undervalued or he could be MVP for the past two years, and it's just it's not happened. I also agree yeah. that Baltimore Ravens are a, a little bit stagnant for me. Um, didn't throw the ball to Hunt. Um, not Henry, Mark Andrews anywhere near enough last season, which, as you know, I was very annoyed mm. about. Um, but yeah, I think obviously he signed the contract now. Let's all just get to work. Let Let's build something. Let's start running again a little bit more. And I think if he does that, then you know, obviously once the running touchdowns start coming back, then he will clear that thirty mark. So mm. yeah, yeah. Why not? I'll take the over on that one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think he almost throws 30 touchdowns personally next season. But do not listen to me, because I am perpetual Lamar Jackson. (laughs) Uh, You know, absolute blind, in love with Lamar Jackson. Don't look at the previous two years. Uh, So do not listen to me. I do this every Mm -hmm. (laughs) off-season. Okay, Darren Waller moving to the Giants. Uh, He's getting on now a little bit, but really talented player. Good tight end. One of the best tight ends in fantasy for the past three years. Uh, 700 receiving yards. Now, he beat this mark twice in his Raiders career Um, in the two seasons that he had over a thousand yards. I'm excited for him to join the Giants, but what what do you think,
1: Sharples? Darren Waller, over 700 yards. I think he'll get injured again. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's unfortunate, but I, I just... I'll need to see him put another healthy, healthy year again before I can dip my toe back in, into that well. Um... I I think yeah, obviously a healthy Darren Waller would absolutely smash seven hundred yards, but for me I just I, I just don't think he's gonna be able to stay on the field enough to do it. So a little bit pessimistic unfortunately, but I'm gonna to have to take the under. Yeah,
0: fully agree with Sharples. It would be over if he played every game. But I don't think he's gonna play every game. So I think it's gotta be under. Okay, interesting. Um let's talk about a Dallas Cowboy, C D Lamb. Um now he, he he went from, in his rookie season, 900, 900 yards, 5 touchdowns. Second year, 1,100 yards, 6 touchdowns. Last year, 1,300 yards, 9 touchdowns. So the line I'm going to give you is his last year line. 1,300 yards, 9 touchdowns, over, under. Is C D Lamb going to be better than he was last year, basically, uh, um That's a really tough one because last year... I don't know whether that was his ceiling. With mm. um, with you know this team um, and just you know that's what that's the sort of wide receiver he seems to be. You know he's a really great wide receiver, um, but I don't know if he is. I don't know if he's one of the most dominant. Guys, you know, CD Lamb to me doesn't. I don't get the same feeling from looking at CD Lamb that I get from Stefan Diggs no. or Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase or Devontae Adams or AJ Brown. These are all the guys who you're drafting round in, Yeah. in your draft. So I, I oh my days, um, I'm going to say under. Okay, you're saying last year's ceiling. What about you,
1: Sharple's? Um, yeah, I think I think I'd agree. It's going to be the under. Uh, I think Brandon Cooks coming in will take a, a little bit of work away. I think it helps that you know Dak, Dak's had an, an, another year back in, you know, another year removed from the injury. Um, I, I mean, for me, I suppose what it really boils down to is I don't know much about McCarthy other than I know that he's going to be calling the offensive plays this year. Is that a good thing? I mean, obviously. As the two resident cowboys said, you'll know more than me. I was just just thinking we might get through an episode without talking about them, but you've managed to sneak them in, Al. So uh, I guess you guys
0: boys talk.
1: Can tell me, really,
0: cowboys talk. Um To me, it's a, it's you know, it's um, it can only it can only be a positive because either he's amazing at calling plays. Oh, he's terrible. And he gets and fired. He gets fired. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think <laughs> the, the only the only thing that the only thing um, with him calling the players, which I think is a detriment to Lamb, is that Kellen Moore was this big quarterback exactly. guy. He exactly. was this big quarterback throw the ball guy. Whereas I don't know if that's going to be McCarthy's philosophy. They need to bring in another running back if it's not them. Zeke. Zeke. He's out there. He's out there. He knows the offence. And I've got one more line for you. Uh, I think this is a really interesting one. Justin Fields, 1,000 yards rushing. Now, only three quarterbacks in history have reached that milestone, chaps. The good news, though, is that Justin Fields last year was one of them. <laughs> um, I would say that Lamar Jackson has only reached it twice, and Mike Vick reached it once. So, Fields, 1,000 yards rushing over under, Sharples.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm I'm very confident on that. Ooh, quick. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um... Well, you have
0: to draft him really early. If you're that confident that he's going to get 1,000 yards rushing, mm. then you have to draft him.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I would disagree on that only because I'm I'm very comfortable with a lot of quarterbacks that are going late. So I think for me, I'll be sort of filling up on the on the running backs and wide receivers when he goes off the board. But yeah, no, um, I think I think he's, he's, he's going to nail that. Uh, obviously, injury aside, I'm surprised actually that he got a thousand last year. I thought you were going to tell me he got something like around the 800 mark, and then it'd be like, oh, will he get over the edge? But mm-hmm. considering the fact that he did it last year, um, I think yeah, another year in the offense, another year in the league. More confidence, um, more understanding of, of of the playbook. Yeah, I, I see no 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 issue in that.
0: Yeah, for me, it's just whether um, the offense starts scheming in these runs because I feel like a lot of those runs last year, a lot of the massive ones, it was just him scrambling around, literally running from sideline to sideline and then finding a little gap. Um, so it's whether the offense, yeah, schemes around that. Um, or the you know the structure it a bit more, make him throw it a bit more, and then sort of scheme in these these running plays. Uh that being said, yeah, Over, I think he will. Yeah, I think you can look at it two ways. He's they're either going to scheme him more runs, and so he's going to reach it, or I see a world where he doesn't reach a thousand yards because the team and fields himself want to prove that he can throw the ball, and sometimes last year those long runs came kind of at the expense of picking a nice pass or proving himself as a passer. I would like Fields to maybe hit seven, 800 uh, rushing yards, but show himself as a really good passer of the ball, a bit like Lamar Jackson did in his early career. Um, yeah, I don't want him to just repeat last year because I think there's a ceiling with a player like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. but yeah, anyway. Yeah. Well, that's going to do us. Thanks very much, chaps. Cheers. Excited to get into it. We'll be very. coming at you with some episodes about draft strategy and our rankings in the coming weeks, preempting those fantasy drafts. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. See you. Take care.